everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Today, I'm joined with Angie Franks, the CEO at About Healthcare. Angie, how I'm are you great. today? Great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm excited to to chat. We're going to see whose accent comes out in this, my Boston accent or your Minnesota accent. We will find out. We'll see who wins or loses. There, this is. I guess there is no winner or loser here. It's just uh, entertaining for the audience that's listening. Sure. <laughs> well, I'm excited to kick things off. How this usually works, really short and sweet episodes, um, informative, but short and sweet. If you could start off by telling the audience a little bit about your background, and then we'll kind of go into the why, how, what of uh, about healthcare and uh, some of the topics you and I wanted to discuss sure, here today. Sure, Yeah, no, happy to tell you, I, I actually stumbled in healthcare a little over 30 years ago and never, um, never really found my way out. I should have been an elementary school teacher, but fell in love with the mission of uh, of um, solving really complex problems in our healthcare system and and doing that via technology for the most part and and I've really spent my uh, my entire career doing this. I had two two short years working in sports technology and other than that it's all been healthcare. That's an interesting uh, kind of going from that to this. It was. Um, yeah, if you want to give me like another, I guess, 30 seconds on that, because that's that's intriguing to me. I like when people come from it's not that that's like the craziest sure. space I've heard someone go from, you know, into healthcare, But I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. My story there was and this was just a few years ago, actually, um, was really probably more about me and my desire to challenge myself to see if I could go work in another industry and, and figure it out and and do what I love to do, which is focus on growth strategies and how to really grow at high tech companies. And um, there was a company here in the Twin Cities that was called Sport Engine. They were founded by a few guys in their college dorm room and they just had such a fantastic market opportunity. And I joined them for a couple of years while we worked on building out the product strategy and our market, um, kind of our business plan, multi-year growth strategy. And we ended up selling the business to NBC Sports and Comcast, which was just a blast and uh, and really fun to get into an industry like sports and into the media um, industry and see how much it actually has applicability and relative um, opportunity in healthcare. So I think those years that I spent there were really fun and challenging in a different way, but um, but also relevant to things that I'm doing today. Yeah, it's not the not the craziest yeah. space I've heard. Some actually probably a closer. Uh, there's probably a closer correlation there than some of the other spaces people go. You know, from that into healthcare. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you. It's always great to hear your personal story. Uh, but something we always focus on in the podcast, especially with first-time guests, is the why, how, what of the company. If you could share that with us, that gives the audience a really good sense of really why you're doing what you're doing, how you're doing it today, and then what exactly you do. Because sometimes while a lot of your followers will listen to the podcast, you're going to get some new some new listeners and some new eyes and ears, sure. right? So um, appreciate that. And then you and I today, our core topic at hand, just so everyone knows, is patient access and orchestration of care. But uh that really stems based on what, what you're doing today. So uh, what, yeah, for it? sure. Well, maybe I'll start with the what, what we do, and then I'll back into why we do that and, and how we actually make that all happen. Um, what we do is we help 
health systems put in place an infrastructure to ensure that they get more patients coming into their system. And once they're there, they keep those patients inside of their system of care um, by ensuring that patients are in the optimal setting for whatever their healthcare needs are at the time. And, uh, and so we call that access and orchestration um, and, uh, and helping health systems do that by leveraging all of their sites of care and all of their facilities um, for making sure that patients are in the optimal setting and, and optimal being defined as the, the lowest cost setting with the best clinical outcome. So, so how did we really get here? And and uh, and if if that's our what, you know, why do we do this? And how do we how do we get here? Um, the how we got here is we really started out um, 15 years or so ago by um, by solving the problem of acute interfacility patient transfers. So this is this is kind of one of these things where I have, even after 25 years in healthcare when I joined this company, I had no idea that this business process existed. But basically um, this is when you've got patients that are in a care setting, maybe they're in a rural hospital, maybe they're in a community, they came into an emergency department at a community hospital, and that particular setting of care um, could not take that patient for whatever reason. They didn't have the capacity. They didn't offer the right services. The patient's acuity level exceeded that um, that hospital's ability to care for that patient, and they needed to make the decision to transfer the patient to a different care setting, a different level of acuity. Um, we we were founded to solve that problem, and we were founded by a physician who's a hospitalist, works um, today still as our chief medical officer, and he was working in the greater Salt Lake City area um, in a community hospital as a hospitalist, and he was experiencing the pain of having patients in front of him that needed to be somewhere else for their care, um, and the manual phone calls you know, waiting to get calls back, waiting for somebody to say they could take the patient, say yes to that transfer, and then all of the, you know, all of the logistics on facilitating that move from taking that patient from point A to point B was just a very manual, time-consuming, um, labor-intensive process for the nurse and the and the physicians. And so um, he looked at that, you know, facing that challenge for many years in his career and was like, there's gotta be a better way to do this and founded the company, which was at the time called Central Logic. We rebranded to About um, just a couple months ago, but he founded the company to solve that problem. So we started with interfacility acute transfers. Um, today, when we say patient access and orchestration, we have basically taken this, taken the problem of how do you make decisions about where a patient should be for the care that they need? How do you help that, um, that provider or that nurse or that case manager help make that decision for that patient? Um, we built all those capabilities onto what we call our orchestration engine. And, uh, and we come in and we put this infrastructure in place inside of health systems and we help make those decisions for moving patients into the acute setting and out of the acute setting to the appropriate post-acute skilled nursing or even home in today's world where many, many acute patients are being treated at home. And, uh, and so um, we, have, we have the end-to-end -end logistics for making that decision 
executing against that and moving physically moving the patient to the appropriate setting of care and uh, and we call that access and orchestration and uh, and that's that's where we are today what we do and why here's why we do it i forgot the why part the why we do it is we're talking about a patient life here um, when you're looking at a patient transfer this is somebody that's probably having the worst day of their life they're having a medical no, they're having a significant medical event and they need to get to care quickly. Um, when, when that process is taking three, four, five, or six hours to facilitate a decision to move the patient, the patient is suffering and, and their outcome, clinical outcome, is being compromised while they wait. Um, same thing on the back end, when you're moving the patient out of the acute setting to the next best setting of care, um, that experience for that patient and getting them to the level of care that they need so that somebody that needs that inpatient bed more acutely can also get access to it is also critical, not only for the patient being moved out, but for the patient that would, would occupy that bed next. So um, really, this is, a, this is important clinically for patient outcomes. It's important operationally to remove friction and noise in the healthcare system for clinicians and nurses. And it is important um, financially for health systems to ensure that they can take that demand for services, align it with the supply of resources, and ensure that they have that they're utilizing all of their resources for the appropriate um, patients and and level of care it becomes a revenue engine for the for the health system. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's, it's interesting to to hear about your uh, obviously the rebrand and uh, why everything came to be. Um, it's uh, I I always uh, it's not I, I definitely like the new name sure. better. It's not nothing against the yeah. old name. Um, but uh, yeah, very, very interesting. And, and, and what you and I want to talk more about is we mentioned it a little while ago, and you, you talked a little bit about this in your, your why, how, and what, but patient access and orchestration of care. But then more importantly, we want to be able to lead that into why are, are those things so important today? I mean, they were always important, but why are they even more important today? And one of the things that you and I were talking about is really because of the workforce shortages. Mm -hmm. So if we could talk more about kind of... Uh, the, the, those core things mm. and, and kind of put them together uh, be much. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, when I talk about this whole process of patient access and orchestration, I mean, when we think about how we've typically operated in the healthcare system is it's been a little bit of we've built it and patients come. So we've got our facilities, we have our offices, patients, patients show up. And that is all true and that will always be true. Um, but as we're moving to, you know, how do we really care for that whole patient and make sure that that, that patient is, is um, in the best setting of care for the outcome that they need or for the level of service and care that they need, um, being able to support physicians and nurses and case managers in that decision-making process is really, uh, really critical and, and really an important piece of what we do today and why it matters in this world of workforce shortages and burnout. Um, much of what we automate are really pulling together data and disparate systems and putting that into one automated business process where um, we can take manual work out of the hands of nurses and case managers and physicians, and we can automate 
automate that and give them the right information that they need in order to make make a uh, make a good decision. And without without about what happens is they're making phone calls all over the health system. They're making phone calls um, to post acute facilities and they're waiting for call back and they don't have the time to do that. And that is really an unnecessary um, piece of work that could be automated and centralized and standardized for more efficiency and a better experience for those those clinicians and better outcomes for the patients. So in this world um, with, uh, with workforce shortages, that's really important. If we look at on the transfer side and on the acute demand side, in this world where we're today, our new normal is, you know, waves of the pandemic will continue to happen. And, you know, we're just now hearing about this new variant after the Delta variant. And what happens is demand is, you know, vacillating wildly for these health systems. And, you know, if we go back to the original onset of COVID, we're all so familiar with what happened in New York City. But what happened in New York wasn't that we didn't have capacity to take care of the patients. We just didn't have the patients in the places where we had capacity. And we didn't have that because we weren't able to bring the data together to proactively intervene and make decisions. So when the USS Comfort comes pulling into port and you've got a thousand beds on a ship that ended up treating 115 people, it wasn't because we didn't have room to treat more people. We just had people in one setting and no ability to facilitate that transfer and get them over to a better setting of care. And so, so that's really, I think, another new normal that our healthcare system and all of our health systems are really normalizing to right now is we're just gonna be living through variants and pandemics and surges in demand and utilizing technology to make decisions load balancing and uh, and getting patients to the optimal setting will be more important than ever moving forward. Yeah, it, uh, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with the new variant. Um, that's why we, you and I were talking about the flight prices and everything, right? right? Like, uh, that's why I'm, I know I can get, uh, what's it called? A better deal if I do non-refundable, right. but do I do yeah. that? <laughs> with everything going on, right? Because uh, I mean, I think that's part of the part of the game right now too, is let's, uh, let's, let's sell as many of these tickets because who knows if we're going to be shut down for, you know, a little while again. That's right. um, I think we're in a better position now, if there's any like thing like that, just because like more digital and work more of uh, our workforce is in a remote setting, but still, I mean, it's been pretty crazy, like just not being able to see really almost two years now, right? Like, we, we're not we're not back to our normal our normal state, right. um, and you wonder like if it goes beyond two years, like will we ever get back to that that position? Yeah, again? and you know what I think I think this is the new normal, and it, and while COVID may wane, you know, and maybe it's another year or two years, or or we move through this particular pandemic and the various you know. Um, um, uh, new new variants of the of the uh, of the disease the reality is we'll face more of this as we move forward and we are certainly in a very different place than we were a year and a half ago where we were just it was just pure unknown what was how are we going to get through this now today we've we have we've 
largely distributed our workforces. We've largely learned to operate, um, you know, in a in that type of a distributed work environment. We're seeing the effect of the strain for our healthcare workers who have had to operate under conditions that they've that we've never seen before, and I think that is a new real crisis that we're going to have to deal with as a healthcare system. I think we're going to see behavioral health needs as we, we've we um, talked about in the industry for a while now are really spiking. Um, it's another use case for us um, for access and orchestration is making sure that um, we are able to facilitate moving patients to the appropriate behavioral health facility or access to the appropriate resources where necessary. Um, that is going to be another surge in demand as we continue to, you know, see all these stressors with health and and our ability to earn incomes and, you know, that being disrupted, our cost structures increasing so significantly. It's, it's, um, it is a different day. I think we're in a different place, but I, I do think it's the, it's the new normal that we have to now adapt to just operating this way moving forward. And I do see health system leaders, I think they have definitely have acknowledged that and now are trying to figure out, okay, what's the best way to move forward? And, and, um, and that's what we're really helping many, many health systems do is figure that out. We shall see yeah. what happens. But, uh, but Angie, thanks again so much for being a guest on the podcast. Hopefully we can have you on again soon and talk about some other issues. Like we said, we keep these short and sweet. And it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you today and wish you all uh, Thank all you the best. so much, Jared. Had a great time.